Welcome to the Christmas special of Pragmatic. Pragmatic Christmas Specials are an annual discussion show contemplating the practical difficulties of organising gifts, relatives and get-togethers in the holiday season. Exploring the real-world frustrations, we look at how history brought us to this point and transformed us all from kids anticipating Christmas to grown-ups dreading it. Nothing about Christmas is as simple as it seems. This episode is sponsored by Harvest. Harvest lets you time your tasks wherever you might be doing them and then easily analyze your timesheet to track non-billable or hopefully billable hours, then turn those into invoices for your clients with both PayPal and Stripe integration. Check out Harvest at getharvest.com and sign up for a free 30-day trial and start tracking your time and invoicing others simply and painlessly. Once your 30-day trial is up, use the coupon code PRAGMATIC at the checkout and you'll also save 50% off your first month. But hurry, this offer expires January 15, 2015. This episode is also sponsored by Mandrel. Mandrel is a transactional email service that easily ties into your website and apps when you need to send one-off emails like responses, password resets, acknowledgements, and so on. Visit mandrel.com and sign up today. Why not? It's free. And use the promo code PRAGMATIC to get 50,000 free email transactions per month for six months. Normally, it's only 12,000 a month. That's four times the normal amount. Integrate, deliver, track, and analyze using email infrastructure from Mandrel. We'll talk about our sponsors more during the show. I'm your host, John Chigi, and joining me for the Christmas special is my co-host, Vic Hudson. How you doing, Vic? I'm good, John. How are you? Very good. And I'll start by saying Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas to you. And actually, that's a really great place to start because I hear so often, particularly in North America, that the expression is now happy holidays. That seems to be the trend, yes. But when you're when you were younger, like um, not that long ago, really, um, did you start out always saying Happy Holidays, or is that something that's been happening more recently? Um, well, personally, I still say Merry Christmas. Um, What's the so do I? I think that I've always seen things like seasons greetings and Happy Holidays exist, but mm. they're, they're getting much much more prevalent. Sure, uh, I, I've. Personally, I don't know if that if this is a reflection of, of the way the trend has actually realistically happened, but I've personally observed that over the last decade or so, it's, it's, it's really seemed to, to favor the season's greetings and happy holidays, the more neutral things versus Christmas. Yeah, that's been my observation as well. In, in Australia, typically, Merry Christmas is still very common, but I'm starting to see the Merry Christmas signs, the ones you would dangle up that, that have all the letters and festive colors. Yeah. And they're all starting to read, you know, Happy Christmas or Happy Holidays. And, yeah. you know, I suspect to some degree of that is that they all come from the same same warehouse in uh, some part of Southeast Asia, uh, shipping to North America. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> well, well, yeah, so yeah, quite possibly. And, of course, it's more about the... Uh, the fact is that it's a holiday period for several different um, religions and for people that aren't specifically religious. Religious and, at all, yeah. Yeah, and therefore the sentiment "Happy Holidays" is, I think, generally considered to be more uh, politically correct, or at least more uh, culturally accepting. Mm-hmm. So, in either case, I'm I'm used to saying "Merry Christmas," and I guess it's hard for me to to break the habit. I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing, but uh, yeah, I don't know. I think what mm-hmm. I've observed is, uh, honestly, I can't recall anybody that's ever personally said to me, "Seasons greetings" or "Happy Holidays." I think it's usually and and in conversations and talking to people and interacting with people, it's almost always Merry Christmas. But I, I think in general, in print, web, TV, big banners, all of that type of things, I think most of those are where I've seen the, the shift to season's greetings and happy holidays. Yeah, fair enough. Well, I guess the thing I, have, I, I guess I wanted to, to move on to though just quickly is... Um, the one thing about Christmas is you know, Christmas music. And mm-hmm. uh, I had originally threatened um, to sing this episode, but I'm not going to. I had enough uh, feedback on Twitter to suggest that that was a bad idea. So, I'm not doing yeah. that. There I think you that's go. That's the best. Uh, fine. <laughs> Anyhow. Um, but yes. Uh, however, I did think it would be nice just to quickly um, touch on a uh, favorite Christmas song. You first. 
Uh, I tend to favor instrumental stuff versus vocal stuff, and to that end, uh, my favorite is usually some rendition or another of Carol of the Bells. Oh, okay. Lovely. Uh, my personal favorite is uh, is actually Jingle Bells, and it's been mixed and remixed and done so many different mm-hmm. ways, and of course, Jingle Bell Rock as well. I mean, there's it's just, yeah, but the funny thing about Jingle Bells uh, as a song is actually it was originally um, uh, released uh, in 1853, and it was called One Horse Open Sleigh. Hmm. And it was renamed in 1859 uh, as Jingle Bells. And and technically, if you th- listen to the lyrics, it wasn't necessarily specifically a Christmas-related song, but it became associated with Christmas because it yeah. was, you know, often played around that time of year. So, mm-hmm. anyway. Yeah, one of those little things. So, yeah, it's my favorite. But, uh, but yeah. And I, I particularly enjoyed the, uh, the uh, Bombay Dub Orchestra's remix uh, of Joe Williams' version of Jingle Bells. I caught that one. Oh, no, 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 no. This is... Uh, you. Hang on. You haven't seen Iron Man, have you? No, I have not. God damn you, Vic. Fine. <laughs> but you know what? Iron Man 3 um, in, in, in the workshop where he's testing out his new suit at the beginning before you get introduced to the man- Mandarin. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, he, um, <laughs> that he, he says, drop my needle and it starts playing Jingle Bells, the Bombay Dub Orchestra remix of Joe Williams' version, and gotcha. uh, is absolutely brilliant. I love that. Jarvis, drop my needle. Dashing through the snow In a one-horse open sleigh O'er the fields we go Laughing all the way I will check it out. Mm, yeah, please do. I'll be a link in the show notes. Okay. So, um, I thought it might be a little bit fun to delve into a couple of little things about Christmas that, um, I don't know, interest or frustrate or have certain uh, engineering aspects to. You may think, what the hell is he on about? Well, here, okay. But before we do that, I guess, I just want to talk about, um, I suppose, the idea of giving of gifts. Mm-hmm. And, and so on. And there's like, uh, who gives gifts to who, what the rules are. And there's this, because, you know, it's like parents always give, well, hang on. A lot of parents will give presents to their children. But some families, children will be giving presents to each other. And in some families, uh, children will give presents to the parents. And then when parents all get, and like, and like groups of adults all get together, you know, sometimes they'll give presents to everyone else. Mm-hmm. And you end up having a, a, a gift list that is so long, you can't afford to pay for it all, yeah. you know? And it's like, well, that's ridiculous, isn't it? So, then I came across this uh, this idea and obviously it wasn't, no, definitely not my idea. And I have no idea how long this has been a thing. But uh, the concept of Secret Santa, are you aware uh-huh. of this one? Yep. Yeah. See, I only came across this about, um, well, 12 years ago, actually, when I met my wife. She comes from a bigger family. So... And uh, in, in, in a bigger family, the economics of everyone buying everyone else a present was just unfe- unfeasible. Yep. And so they had this idea of Secret Santa, where everyone puts their name into a into a hat or a bucket or some other you know you know non transparent containing device. And uh, anyway, so you, you fish your name out, and uh, everyone gets one Secret Santa, but you can't tell them who you have as your Secret Santa. That's a secret because it's secret. Yeah. Santa. But anyway. I, I kind of like the idea. Actually, I really like the idea. Yeah, I've, I've always thought it was a good good idea, good solid plan. And yeah, it, keep, it, it keeps things fun without cheapening it, but it does significantly reduce the burden, so you don't need to take out second mortgages to pay for Christmas. Yeah, well, that's exactly right. So, yeah, exactly right. So, um, anyway, all right. So, a little bit about the presents themselves. I'm going to talk a bit about Sandra later, but... <sighs> wrapping presents. You know, the funny thing is, if you go back far enough, wrapping was actually not something that was as common. It was sort of affluent families that could afford to do the whole wrapping thing. The sack was actually the favoured method because it concealed what it was and it was reusable and it was cheap. Uh-huh. You know, and, and that's what a lot... And, of course, in many cases, no wrapping, you know? So, the whole wrapping paper thing and 
tearing the the wrapping paper off and the the, the moment of surprise, you know, when they, they open up the presents and everything, you know, all that sort of thing has has come in more recent, uh, you know, the last century or two. Prior to that, not 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 so common. But the other thing, of course, is that wrapping paper types have evolved over the years as well, which is kind of, you know, I guess it kind of makes sense because there was no plastic before 1950 or 1940, whenever it was. So, oh, you'd think I'd have a date for that, but no, I didn't <laughs> I didn't chop that one down. But anyhow, so the thing with wrapping paper that I find is interesting is that a lot of the, the cheaper stuff is very, very thin, very, very flimsy. And that's mm-hmm. good because it's light. And of course, it's good better for the environment because you're not, you know, killing quite as many trees in order to wrap presents just to rip off the paper and then throw the paper away. Goodness me, please recycle it. But anyway, uh, it's a balance, you know, between... And I, I just, I don't know what the right term is. So I'm just going to call it rippability or maybe okay. terib- you know, tearability. That's uh, a technical term. I, I just wish I had a technical term for it. But, you know, your your ability to rip it off. Anyway, ah, uh, geez. Anyway, so uh, versus the robustness during uh, of, of the wrapping in transportation because obviously you're moving it from, you know, you know wherever you, you're moving it from and moving it to presumably the tree or wherever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, that sort of movement. You know, you you don't you want it to be strong enough that it can survive that, but not so strong that it makes it too hard to open. So it's sort of an interesting balance. But anyway, um, so but a little bit more about uh, the different types. So wax paper and cellophane, as that was very popular in the mid twentieth century, at least in Western cultures, anyway. And prior to that, you know, I was saying wrapping wasn't all that popular, but but paper is by far the most popular method now. And you got either tissue wrap or craft paper, and, and the craft paper with the uh, the nice pretty patterns on the outside is again by far the most popular. The tissue wrap, I've done a few things in tissue wrap, but you know, I just don't like the way they look. You know, they just yeah. you know, don't seem to have as nice a finish. They don't feel as Christmassy, if that makes sense. Yeah, I like to use the tissue wrap when I'm doing a not not wrapping something, but if I'm doing mm. like a gift bag thing. Oh yeah, yeah. Then yeah, I sure. use it as like a loose, fluffy filling thing that can like go down into the bag and hang out of the bag and overflow out of the bag and. Yeah. Okay. Like no, a garnishing a... more than anything, I guess you'd call it. Sure. Yeah, and also by putting it by by putting it in the top of the bag, you disguise the contents of the ba- of yeah. what's in the bag, which is you know also important. If yeah, because I, I sometimes I do get this this impression that people just get a bag and they shove the present in the bag and and that's the end of that. They're like, yep, you know, job done. You know, no, nothing I'll else put to do here. Put a little effort into it. <laughs> but isn't that the point of a bag? You don't have to put effort into it. Um, I for me is no. I, I huh? guess some people could see it that way. Yeah, um, I think that a lot of people see it that way, which is, me, I think is bag, unfortunate. Like, commonly, a lot of the times, my wife's gifts will be in a bag, but it's not because of a lack of effort. It's because usually it's a it's a small set of gifts, and, and it's a way to collect them all together. And I usually really enjoy picking out a color-coordinated bag and, and ribbons for the bag and tissue papers for it. And like before I put anything in the bag, I'll line it with the, the tissue paper that extends a little bit. And then I'll wrap the items with tissue paper and throw them into the bag. And there's some more fluffy tissue paper in there. I don't know. It's one of my you few s- creative and artistic <laughs> creative ways to, to, to do things. Yeah. You mean other than your apps? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, all I know is that uh, I now want you to uh, do all of the bagged presents uh, uh, in my life because it sounds like you actually put effort into it, which is fantastic. So... I guess the other thing, another thing that occurs to me is the point of wrapping a present or putting it in a bag is to conceal what it is. Mm-hmm. So, what is it with people that just put a bow on the handlebars? I mean, like, <laughs> what's the bow concealing exactly? Uh, I don't think it's concealing anything except no, that here, really. this big, huge thing, this is your present. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, anyway, look, I, I look at that and I think to myself, okay, so... I get it. You can let, let, let's say it's a bike, you know, that is that that someone is is giving to someone else for whatever reason. Okay, mm-hmm. and you know, you really gonna be able to wrap that in such a way that it doesn't look like a bike? I mean, yeah, if it's assembled. No, <laughs> no. I mean, you're just not, are you? I mean, unless you put it in an enormous box, which most people don't have lying around, yeah. or or you keep it flat packed, and then of course it's like, here's a bike I. That that I got you. You have to put it together yourself, but <laughs> <laughs> assembly not included. 
But here's here's a nice. Uh, but, but you know, if you're going to go through that 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 assembly process, you're kind of stuck, aren't you? So anyway, so there's there's got to be some kind of a point at which you say, right, this is no longer a wrappable object. I can no longer disguise what this thing is, so I'm just not going to bother. So in that case, I've seen. Have you ever seen someone that's got like a tennis racket and they've given it to someone and they've wrapped the bottom of the tennis racket, or but they've left the handle exposed, or something like that, like golf clubs where they've wrapped half yeah. of it or something. Either that or they wrap the whole thing, but it's still just crystal clear, obvious that it's a tennis racket underneath the uh, wrapping. Exactly. It's like, oh, God, really? <sighs> if you can't disguise the shape of it, I reckon you shouldn't worry. That's all there is to it. You know what? Bow on the handlebars. Go for it. Because I get it. You can't just put that in a box and disguise what it is. <sighs> I mean, there's there's some, sometimes where I've given presents, usually to in, to, um, to family members, um, like adults, is if it's something expensive, but it's small, like a bit of jewelry, mm-hmm. uh, for example, I'll wrap it inside a box and then I'll put it that and wrap that box inside another box, inside another box, inside another box. I think I did one one year I did five boxes. So it was this huge box. <laughs> the present was... It took him 10 minutes to get to the damn present. Nice. But it was completely worth it. Anyhow, nice. well, I thought it was hilarious. My wife perhaps... Did not see the funny side of it. To, she didn't after the fourth that. box. No, the fourth box, the patience is wearing thin, but that's okay. The How many boxes box. deep did you say it was? It's five. Five? Yeah. yeah. That's not too bad. I, I thought it was good. Anyway. All right. <clears throat> so, uh, yes. So, yes. Um, I guess the, uh, the, the next uh, interesting thing... Well, okay, I say interesting, but the next, the next thing to think about is, uh, is holding all of that wrapping paper on and it's like well how are you going to do that you're going to need sticky tape aren't you mm-hmm. mm, exactly but before we talk about sticky tape i'd like to talk about our first sponsor for this episode and that's harvest now many people listening to this show will spend their time working on home projects and work projects too and you lose track of time we've talked about this on the show before about being realistic about how much you time ta- how much time you have available to you well one way you can track your time is by using harvest Now, they have a simple-to-use web app where you can create tasks. They also have mobile apps for both Android and iOS. It's easy to select a task or an activity and start or stop a timer from any of them. On a Mac, it installs a nice, neat menu bar icon, and it detects when you've been idle for a long time. So when you come back, you can choose to deduct those idle minutes or hours or however long it's been from the total that that you've you've set going. You know, little touches like that make it really cool, I think. Mm -hmm. But anyway, it's a great way to track where your time's going. And after you've done all that work, whatever it might be, then it's even easier to look back at the timesheet and see where your time's gone. That alone is handy enough. But if you're working on a project with a team, your coworkers can track their times as well using Harvest. And it makes it really easy to manage everyone's time in a project collectively. So Harvest also makes invoicing easy. It's quick and painless to set up clients and multiple points of contact at those clients. You can then build invoices using your timesheet information. So you can pull hourly rates and the timesheets and combine them into into creating invoices pretty much automatically based on your hourly rates. And all integrates nicely with PayPal and Stripe. Now, I've been using Harvest invoices for this podcast just recently uh, for you know, a couple of months now. And it's now it's taken over as my invoicing system of choice. I think it's that nice. Now, you can check out Harvest. Give it a go at getharvest, all one word, dot com and sign up for a free 30-day trial. Start tracking your time and invoicing others simply and painlessly. There's no credit card required, no obligation. They just want you to see how great and how handy it can be. So there's no excuse not to give it a try. Once your 30-day trial is over and you've realized just how great Harvest is, use the coupon code PRAGMATIC at the checkout and you'll also receive 50% off your first month. That applies to any of their plans. Hurry though, this offer expires on the 15th of January, 2015. Thank you once again to Harvest for sponsoring Pragmatic. Sticky tape. At least that's what I... Well, that's what I call it. But different pe- different places around the world call it different things. Technically, it's PSA, which is pressure-sensitive adhesive tape. That is a technical term. Yes, because it's pressure-sensitive. Well, yeah, kind of. But anyway... <laughs> mm, it's not a public too much safety pressure. announcement. <laughs> yeah, no, I was actually thinking you put under too much pressure, what happens to it? Some tape can't take the pressure. 
Okay. Anyway, so it was actually in. I yeah, know. Did I just blow your mind? Or Sorry. <laughs> you're just shaking your head because that was such a bad joke. Sorry. It's the second one. Okay. Dr. Horace Day in 1845 originally developed it for medical applications. He was a surgeon. Mm-hmm. But commercially, it didn't really hit the scene till the 1910s. Now, these days, it can be made of uh, different backing materials. So, you've got plastic, paper, metal foil even, uh, or cloth backed as well. But for Christmas wrapping, there's really only the two types, most commonly used types. You've got plastic back clear tape, and that clear tape allows the uh, pattern of your wrapping paper to shine through. Or you can have uh, plastic backed uh, ornamental tape, which is the one that's got uh, pretty, you know, like Christmas trees and holly and all sorts of other different ornamentations on the little snowmen, potentially. Yeah, zombies. Who knows? Anyway, you can use that to spice up plain wrapping paper. But I kind of think that people sometimes cross the streams a bit on that and they say, well, I got colorful ornamental wrapping paper with colorful ornamental tape. And I'm like, do I look at the tape? Do I look at the paper? Do I look at the tape? I don't know what to look at. It's all very confusing. (laughs) I don't know. Maybe I'm just overthinking it. It's quite possible. But anyhow, yes. So, plastic back clear tape is by far the most popular and that's why I'm going to focus on that. Why? Because, well, why not? So, three most common names that I'm aware of, and maybe you can add to this, is Stello Tape, which is, of course, a brand name. Scotch Tape is 3M's product range name. And, of course, Sticky Tape, which is what I opened with. What other, what other words would you use to describe um, it? Scotch Tape is, is probably the biggest one here, at sure. least as far as my exposure to it. And I think that it's kind of been Kleenexized, if I can make that a word um, yeah understand. any kind of clear plastic sticky tape is usually called scotch tape here okay well fair enough and that and that's cool i just you know it's uh it's one of those things you use a product long enough it has a brand name that brand name becomes um, yeah. part of the part of everyday discourse but anyhow yes so you know what i'm talking about mm-hmm Okay, so with tapes, you know, I never thought I'd do an episode of Pragmatic that involved adhesives, but here we are. (laughs) Anyhow, never mind that. Sheer strength of adhesive tape versus the peel strength. And of course, you know, if that's not clear, what that means is the amount of force that you're required to remove it through peeling is different from the amount from pulling. So when I say peel versus pulling, you know, if you apply a piece of tape to a flat surface and then you take the corner of it, if you can get the corner of it, and you peel that up uh, at 90 degrees, so you're, you you pull at 90 degrees from the surface upon which it is adhere, adhered to, then that would that is referred to as the peel, the peeling strength. That's the force required to peel it off. And shear strength is I, you know, you put the tape down on the adhere, adhere it to the surface, and then you pull in a lateral direction. That is to say, you don't lift it at ninety degrees. You lift it on the same axis that it is stuck to. So there is a, a bunch of links in the show notes if you're really interested about <laughs> some of the differences. But I decided to pick one of the most common Scotch tapes uh, that you could find. And it has a shear strength of, well, of uh, 28 pounds per inch. And that is for a tape that is three quarters of an inch, which is 19 millimeters wide. And that works out to 125 newtons of force. Again, that's per, as I said, per inch, which is uh, per 25 millimeters worth of uh, width of tape. Mm-hmm. Or length, depending on how you want to think about it. That's a problem. Length, width, with length. Go from portrait to landscape, it's all messed up. Anyhow, so there you go. Isn't that great? Uh, although, admittedly, when you're holding a present together, the amount of force required uh, to hold that together is significantly less. The problem that you have when you're wrapping is actually the amount of force you apply when you apply the tape to the surface. Because mm-hmm. it is pressure sensitive. The more pressure you apply, the better it will stick. However... Uh, it's often the case if you're wrapping a present that if there's empty spaces, like there's no hard surface to press against, you can't apply enough force for it to reliably hold in place. Yeah. Of course, the other issue is that that shear strength is based on um, is based on uh, paper. So I say 28 uh, pounds per inch. That's 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 adhe- adhering to paper. If you were to adhere to steel or to plastic, it would be different. And of course, that's assuming your surface is free of contaminants. If you have contaminants on the surface like oil or dirt or, or water, that will change and it will, it will reduce the amount of, uh, of holding force that it's got. 
before it shears off. Mm-hmm. Anyway, there you go. That's that's uh, that's about as far as I can go on that. I'm not going to go any further. I could say more, but I'm not going to. Anyway, all right. Um, I don't about, think anybody uh, else would have done as good a job covering tape. Well, like I said, I could do a lot more, but I'm not going to. Sorry, I'm just I'm I'm I am self aware enough that I not I need to draw a line at some point. And I'm drawing it there. Okay, talking about peel strength and removing things. Let's talk about removing price tags. Ooh, mm. that can get messy sometimes. Yes, it can because it's like, uh oh, I'm going to give you a present. And you, the adult, you look at this and you're like, oh, man, I wonder what that is. And sometimes it's like I go to the same shops that you go to and you can see, oh, this is that thing that you got from that shop. I've seen one of those and it's worth five bucks, you stingy bugger. (laughs) And then you have a look and you think, oh, I have no idea what this is worth. It looks really nice. It's a thoughtful gift and you never find out unless you leave the price tag on. It's like five bucks. I don't have to go to a store to do a price comparison, you stingy bugger. Anyhow... (laughs) That's the other thing, price expectations. Seriously, it's supposed to be the thought that counts, isn't yeah, it, Vic? It is. Yeah. So, what are you getting me for Christmas? <laughs> <laughs> Minimum spend, $500. No, I'm just kidding. Okay, anyhow. I'm all over that. You're, no, you know, don't do that. It's fine. Oh, dear. Right. Anyhow, yes. Yeah, so, it, the thing about the, the, the price tags is, yeah, it wouldn't be an issue if people didn't get their knickers in a knot about how much is enough or how much is expected. And that's one of the things that I like about the whole Secret Santa idea is that often associated with that is that there's an expectation. You'll have a bit of a discussion, you know, about family members. So, yeah, you know, don't spend more than draw a line here. And yeah, then you're a lot always of people looking just at, code it right into the program. Yeah, exactly right. Code up front no end more, coding. No more, no less. This front end range. coding. Yeah, that's it. So, absolutely. And and then that way that avoids disappointment, frustration and whatever else. But, of course, then you also face the other dilemma. If you can't think of whatever else to get and the, and the spend limit's $100, it's like, well, God, I can't think of a single thing that's worth $100. I want to get them. Yeah. Then what do you do? Oh, I'm going to get multiple presents. And then, of course, Cash. other people think, oh, they got oh <laughs> Cash. What about fake cash? What about gift cards? You know, what about what about people that trade gift cards? I will give you a hundred dollar gift voucher from <laughs> this place, and you'll give me a hundred dollar gift voucher from some other place, I and have we seen each that try happen. and guess. Yeah, and it's happened to me. You know, and I and I had this. Uh, what sense does that make? There's an episode of Dilbert that they, you know, the two seasons I did of Dilbert, and uh, it was I forget the name of the episode, but. It was about gift giving, and and they talks and and the subject comes up of giving a gift card. You know, oh, and and I forget who it was that that said it. It shows that you know I gave you a gift. I could give you a gift card, mm-hmm. and and it, it and Dilbert says, "What does does that make?" And he says, "Well, it shows there's some thought that went into it." And he said, "It show it doesn't show short thought. It shows defective thought." I'm trading. I'm trading a very fully flexible form of currency for an, an inflexible form of currency that's only valid in one location. Yeah. Why don't you just get your mom a gift certificate? No, I got her cash last year. She said it was insulting. But a gift certificate is completely different from cash. No, it's not. They're both pieces of paper you can exchange for goods and services. You're missing the point. Actually, a gift certificate is worse than cash because you can only use it in one place, and it expires. At least it shows some thought. It shows defective thought. You're trading perfectly good money for something that does the same thing, only not as well. <sighs> Gift cards. I don't get it. Anyhow. Just look, I'm going to get a bunch of gift cards. It's my Christian versus now. <laughs> so you don't like gift cards, huh? Well, guess what, sunshine? <clears throat> anyway, I'm pretty sure my family don't listen to this podcast, so I'm safe. Right. Anyhow. anyhow. <laughs> it's going to oh come my. back to haunt you. Oh, I have a feeling it might. But anyhow, never mind that. Oh, dear me. Right. Yes. So, anyhow. <laughs> God. One of the other things that, that is, a, is interesting, is an interesting dilemma about Christmas is the who, what, when, where. You know, because talk about presents and who gives presents to whom. Mm-hmm. And and I guess one of the other things, actually, before I get to that is, is just... A, a, the whole thing with with kids changing the equation. You know, before I had kids, you know, 
parents, it, it'd all be about, you know, everyone giving each other, you know, nice, nice presents. And the, the price of the presents was generally pretty high because when, when you, when you grow up, you've got your own income and everything and you can afford to get nice presents and everything. But as soon as you have kids and then there's a lot it changes of changes things a bit, everything changes and it ceases to be about, you know, $200 presents or whatever else, which frankly, I don't think we ever got to that, but you know, you can't even do $100 worth of value in, in a lot of cases if you're doing a full round robin of everyone buys everyone else a present. It's like, good God, you know, it's so expensive. Anyway, so why would you do that? You go secret Santa, you cut costs, blah, blah, blah. It becomes about the kids. So the money that you would spend on other adults now goes towards the kids and let's, let's, let's face it, the kids can enjoy it anyway a lot more yeah. than the adults. So, you know, it's like it ceases to become about the grown-ups and it becomes more about a show for the kids and the kids just love it and I think that's brilliant. So it's the sort of thing that I think that, that there's definitely a change um, when you either have kids of your own or you have nieces and nephews or, or you know cousins I suppose with young kids whatever. All right, so the who, what, when, where, how, why, if, but, mm, hang on, that's for why's and a hey, never mind. So, <laughs> when I did English, they talked about the at school they talked about the the five five W's in the H. Uh-huh. So what is it? Who, what, when, Who, where, what, why, when, where, and how? Why and how? Oh yes. yeah, why? Yeah. Get so you did four why? W's and H. Why? Why did you do four W's and H? Exactly. That's the question. Now, if only you covered the fifth war, the fifth W, you would have been fine. Anyway, okay, good, lovely. Anyhow, so point is, uh, yes, the who, what? Uh, God, I've done that already. So you got a family. And or maybe you do, maybe you don't. You got friends, whatever. You got in. Maybe you've got in-laws, maybe you don't. But you, there's a collection of people. Who? How do you decide where you go and what you do? Because when I was a kid, nowhere was open. Yeah. You know, nothing. Nothing was open. Everything was shut. Because well, why would you go anywhere on Christmas Day? You'd be spending that day with your family, wouldn't you? McDonald's wasn't open. Okay. Not that I'm suggesting people have Christmas parties at McDonald's. Actually, hmm. Maybe they do. No, I don't. I've never seen one. That doesn't mean that doesn't happen. Well, okay. Let's just assume they don't because it just seems strange to me. Although they have birthday parties there. Maybe that's a new thing that McDonald's could look into. Hmm. Anyway, this is the moment where you tell me that Jack in the Box does it or something like that. Uh, No, not that I know of. Okay. Well, here in Australia, it's becoming a thing. And I don't know what it's like in North America. Maybe you can tell me in a minute. But in Australia, it's becoming a thing where you can do a, a Christmas feast. And you would go to a place like like Sizzler or uh-huh. uh, some of the larger pubs like a Gilhoolies or a you know um, you know Outback Steakhouse maybe I'm not sure of a complete list but the number is growing every single year more and more places are doing a special Christmas Day lunchtime or evening uh, special meal uh-huh. and you pay an exorbitant amount of money and honestly it is exorbitant. But the demand is great because people look at this and say, well, I don't want to go through all the hassle of making food and you know, giving people food poisoning by accident and all sorts of other things could possibly go wrong. You know what? I could go to a public place where everyone has to be well-behaved because they're in a public place, minimal drinking, and yeah. Yeah, all of that is taken care of for me. There's no cleaning up afterwards. So what's that? $100 a head? You can take my money. You know, And a lot of people look at it like I've seen the increasing trend is that yeah. something that you're seeing in North America? Um, not so much where I live and, and with the people that I, I interact with regularly, but I could definitely see where a lot of people would appreciate the value of that. Yeah. And I'm not saying that my family does it either, but I am seeing... I've, I've been to similar such things for um, for Mother's Day and Father's Day and... You know, different different events. Valentine's Day is another one. I haven't gone on a Valentine's Day, but I'm you know, it's like if if there is a reason to um, charge a lot of money and do the catering for you, someone eventually these days is going to offer it to you. Yeah. Well, and like you 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 named several good reasons there why people might want to. Mm, sure. I, I, I totally get that. You get you get a a section of you get some control and order to your your holiday gathering. Without you necessarily having to be the a-hole that tried to impose all the rules and wrecked everybody's good time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, this is the the thing is it also avoids the discussion of the who, what, when, where, how, why, yeah. if, if, but. And it comes back to, okay, well, we've got five families. Whose house do we have it at? Yeah. Okay. So, and then, of course, you have the distant in-law problem. 
So, mm-hmm. oh, okay, I live in Seattle, let's say, and my in-laws live in um, San Francisco. Wow, okay. So, are we all going to go to Frisco or are they going to come up to us in yeah. Seattle? And it's like, wow, we got the Space Needle and they're like, yeah, but we got the Golden Gate Bridge. So, yeah, whatever. <laughs> but the point is, you know, you can keep your Space Needle. The point is, um, it had a nice view though, I will admit. The, the truth is that, it becomes a rotational thing. So, this year we're going to go to Frisco. Yeah. Next year we're going to go to the Space Needle and so on and so forth. And then, of course, people get, you know, more more people get married and there's more in-laws and then suddenly the whole thing falls apart and it ceases to become like the old family unit and then everyone starts to splinter off and then they start doing their own thing between different two different locations and alternating Christmases. Even if it's in the same town, often you'll have the same thing. Well, we want to have it at, at, at Bobby Joe's house as opposed to, you know, Mary Jane's house or whatever. I don't know. I'm trying to pick, you know, cool yeah. names or something i don't know uh yeah so and and that every year you know everyone needs to have a turn and then of course people look forward to having the christmas at a certain place because at a certain place they've got a pool or i guess <laughs> sorry you wouldn't want to go swimming in north america i just realized that that's more of an australian thing it was yeah like I was southern say. hemisphere thing because <laughs> it's like yeah go good luck swimming in I'm a pool sure in most really of north america right christmas now. swimming uh, no, sorry, my my bad. Apologies, but yeah. So you know, maybe someone's got a nice slope nearby where you can go get the uh, the sled out and go for a. You know, the kids can go for a, a spin down the hill or something. I don't know. That's of course if you have a white Christmas. And you know, I've been dreaming of a white Christmas, but I'm in Australia, so that's not going to happen. Keep on dreaming. Did you? But uh, I did have. Did you get the pleasure of any of those when you were stateside at all, or when you were I did. in Canada? I did. Yes, That's I did, cool. actually. I had two Christmases when I was in North America, and uh, both of them were white because they're both in Calgary. And, uh, well, okay, one of them was very white. The other was sort of a grayish white, it's sort of a slushy kind of yeah. snowy. It was That's technically snow. It was technically snow, sort yeah. of. I could pretend. <sighs> I think everybody yeah. should experience it at least once. It does. Uh, Something about it, it just really sets the mood and, and it feels right that there's snow. and Yeah, I know. And it's like the songs go, you know, like, I've been dreaming of a grey, slushy Christmas. And it just, you know, I don't you just look I forward to that. that you haven't got that. It's a totally new one. It's, it's climbing the charts. Anyway, uh, yes. So, there you go. I, uh, I think it's absolutely an, a necessity for us to dig into Santa and Santa Claus. Because He's real, you know. He totally, absolutely is and point is it's time for us to talk about our second sponsor and that's mandrel now mandrel is a scalable reliable and secure email infrastructure service trusted by more than 300,000 customers worldwide of which i'm one and i've been asked what is mandrel because most people understand email newsletters showing up in their inbox a lot of them come from mailchimp because it's such a great service too but what's mandrel well, Mandrel is essentially the foundation that MailChimp is built on, and it's been broken out into its own service for discrete email transactions rather than just one big mailing list. And you can think of them like a transaction, and hence, you know, the idea of transactional email. And that's, that is actually how it started. In the two years leading up to 2012, Mandrel borrowed a bunch of MailChimp's best engineers and working in isolation, their Skunk Works project turned into Mandrel. And that's now become the largest email as a service platform in the market with more than 300,000 active customers. Now, let's say you run a website like, oh, I don't know, Tech Distortion, for example, and you need to send feedback form confirmation emails. Mandrel can do that. Tech Distortion uses Statomic as its CMS, and I run Raven Forms as, its, as a plugin, where you just add the API key for Mandrel, and that's it. Nothing else to configure. It just works right away. You can use Mandrel to send automated one-to-one emails like password resets, welcome messages, oh, I don't know, um, topic voting confirmations even, and uh, even customized newsletters if you'd like. Mandrel is quick to set up, easy to use, and it's very stable. And I've, it's been made for developers by developers with extensive documentation, lots of different integration possibilities through their excellent API. And the service has, been, has very high delivery rates, great webhooks and analytics. Now, their website has a well-organized interface it has flexible template options, custom tagging, and advanced tracking options and reports. It's also the only email infrastructure service with a mobile app that lets you monitor delivery and troubleshoot from wherever you might be when you're out and about. Mandrel is also really fast with servers located all around the world and they can deliver your email within milliseconds. And I timed it on Tech Distortion from form submission, the email shows up within a second of submission. It's Impressive. Quick. Oh, it's very fast. And... 
Detailed delivery reports and advanced analytics and a friendly interface mean that if you're in a larger organization, the entire team from development to marketing can easily monitor and evaluate email performance without having to hassle you. So visit mandrill, that's M-A-N-D-R-I-L-L.com and sign up today. You should because it's free and there's no credit card, no commitment. Just sign up and away you go. Use the promo code PRAGMATIC to get 50,000 free email transactions per month for the first six months. That's four times the normal amount. Integrate, deliver, track, and analyze with email infrastructure from Mandrill. Thank you once again to Mandrill for sponsoring Pragmatic. So everyone talks about jolly old Saint Nick in reference to Santa. Different name for the same bloke, right? Mm -hmm. And he actually lived in the 4th century in what's now Turkey. And upon his death, the 6th of December was nominated as a feast day to celebrate his... uh, the all of the stuff that he did when he, you know, because he was a saint, named a saint after he passed away. Mm-hmm. That was feast day. And it was during the late, late 4th century that Pope Julius I decided to set a date to celebrate the birth of Jesus. The problem was the actual time of year, the date that Jesus was born was mm-hmm. and remains somewhat imprecise. Yeah. So the Pope assigned the holiday to December 25th and that aligned with a pagan midwinter festival called Yule, uh, often referred to as uh, Yuletide, uh-huh. or Yule time, is what that roughly translates to. Anyway, so the two tradition, the two traditions, then intertwined over time. It's been quite a few centuries since then, and a lot of cultures have, uh, you know, have had influences from that area. Interestingly, in Holland. Uh, St. Nicholas sort of mutated into uh, Class, mm-hmm. and they maintain the original 5th to 6th December date as opposed to the 25th. And it's thought the Dutch settlers in North America brought the idea of Sinterklaas, which eventually became Sankt Claus and then Santa Claus. Mm-hmm. That's one theory. Several. That's the, one of the more popular theories as to how it happened. Like so many of these things... They start out, they mutate, you know, and evolve. The exact the exact lineage is not precisely documented. Yeah, unfortunately. But anyhow, anyhow. So over time, that day, Christmas Day, became more about food and presents than any saint and what he may or may not have done or any Christian celebration regarding the birth of, of Jesus, even though technically they're reasonably sure it wasn't on that date. Yeah. In fact, I remember reading somewhere they think it was a completely different time of year. But irrespective, the whole concept of a selfless someone giving out presents to children gained a lot of wider popularity, and that was sort of in the 19th century. And the modern interpretation of, of Santa is sort of driven a lot by a poem, and that poem, everyone knows, well, a lot of people know the poem, at least, you know, from Western the night cultures. before Christmas? Indeed, but it was not actually called that originally. It was actually called A Visit from St. Nicholas. Interesting. And it, yeah, but it was, you know, originally it was, it was by, uh, by Clement Moore. It was 1822. Now, the funny thing is, for the longest time, I had believed that the image of Santa that we are used to today, which is the jolly old you know, portly gentleman mm-hmm. uh, wearing red suit with white um, fluffy bits on it. Don't know yep. what else to call them. You know, whatever. White fluffy stuff. Anyway. Gotta have a beard. Gotta have a beard. Quite right. Yes, that too. That's gonna be a white beard. Well, the thing is, I thought a lot of that came back to marketing from Coca-Cola in the 1940s. But it's actually it's not... older the f- than that, isn't it? It is. And this is what I didn't realize until only a few years ago. It was actually Thomas Thomas Nast, uh, and originally uh, he and he wrote he um, did uh, sketches and drawings and uh, so on for Harper's Weekly, the so called so called Journal of Civilization. And uh, this magazine was uh, produced periodically, and uh, in 1863 was the first time that it's recorded where Santa was depicted in a red suit. And uh, and with the appearance that we've sort of come to come to know in Western culture, 
Mm-hmm. Now, it's very true that in the 40s that Coca-Cola used this in their own advertising. And it's it's also true that their product colors matched the colors, of the, the same red and white color motif of Santa's outfit. Mm-hmm. Now, whether or not they knew or they didn't know about Nust's work is not actually clear. And there are so much... Um, shall we say, so many different opinions and so-called facts about it that I don't think we'll ever know the truth. The reality is, though, it wasn't the first occurrence and it's common misconception. However, it's certainly what popularized it. There's no doubt about that. Yeah. Okay. So, let's talk about the physics of Santa. Now, there is... There was a magazine published in 1990, Spy Magazine, the January edition. There's a link in the show notes if you want to read it. There's no byline, actually, originally. It was, it was originally written by two different people uh, collaborating. Uh, it's often attributed to someone called Richard Waller, but it actually wasn't him. It was actually Bruce Handy and Joel Potishman, who was an intern at the time. And... Uh, it gets repeated often in pop culture at this time of year, and that's the physics of Santa Claus. Have you ever read this one that goes around? I have not. I would be very interesting not. to check it out when you put the link in the show notes. Yes. It's not... I don't want to go through all the detail, but it looks into the physics of of essentially how many... It does an est, there's an estimate of how many people that, that, are, that believe, uh, that follow the Christian, Christian traditions of Christmas, let's say, uh, believing in gift giving and so on um, with Santa Claus and because not all cultures you know accept Santa Claus they don't mm-hmm. Ma- many don't many religions don't so you know it, it takes that number and figures out how roughly how many kids there would be it then figures out how much an average present would weigh and then it figures out how big the sleigh would have to be to, con- to contain all the presents then it would figure then it figures out how fast it would have to travel to visit every single house given an average distance between the houses and how many reindeer it would take to pull that sleigh that distance and mm-hmm. goes on and goes on and so forth so it's actually re- it is it is actually quite hilarious when you read it it really is and of course the ultimate um, solution to this problem is, of course, that Santa has the ability to bend time. That That's close to my theory. Would you like to hear my theory? Yes, please. I think that Santa could be a time lord and that the sleigh could be a TARDIS. Ooh, that's not a bad one. That could well be it. And since you know, my kids are into Doctor Who, that works too. We should talk about Doctor Who sometime. Well, flag it. We'll get I back think to that. so. We should put that on the list. We should. Okay, um, maybe not for this show, but then we'll see. So anyway, there you go. So I, th- I thought that's interesting. There's a link in the show notes to the original article in its entirety. Read it, read it in its entirety, although um, may not necessarily suggest that uh, younger children would find it as uh, entertaining as grown-ups, but never mind that. Yeah. Okay, so we're going to uh, we're going to start uh, on the on the downward slide. We're on the downward slope. It's not going to be a long episode. We all know this. And that's okay. So I guess one of the questions that I I think about is if you're not a religious person or an overly religious person, if you're not Christian or pagan or any other religion that celebrates the this, the holiday season as it were as it stands, you know, what is the point of Christmas exactly? And obviously the answer is going to be different for every mm-hmm. different person. And my problem is that I'm cognizant of the fact that some people out there and potentially people that are listening to this may not have a family. They may, they could be, they could be orphans, you know, mm-hmm. um, you know, they could be in a, a unique, uh, in, in a different li- living situation where they're a long, long way from their family and they yeah. can't celebrate it or they're out of range of communications, you know, for whatever reason. Maybe they're serving on an offshore oil rig and the, you know, it's raining really heavily and the satellites can't get through. I mean, there's a myriad of possible reasons but the vast majority of people, and I don't mean to dismiss the people that aren't, but the vast majority of people that I can think of, and I keep going through in my head, would have a family of some description, even if it's just a brother, a sister, a mother, a father, somebody. And so, to me, that's where I turn to when I try and figure out what's the point. 
the point is uh, spending time with your family. And it's, mm-hmm. it's a reason. Call it an excuse if you like, but I don't like to think of it in those terms. I like to think of it as it's a reason to spend time with your family. And That's it's a good one reason. Of the, it's a great reason to spend time with your family. In North America, you guys also have Thanksgiving, which is another example of families getting together. We don't have that here, so it's less of a thing. Although we have other other occasions, other dates where families typically get together, even if it's just for a barbecue or whatever, you know. Yeah. Throw a couple of um, you know prawns on the barbie. Mm-hmm. Or as we're supposed to say, shrimp on the barbie, which we don't, barbie? we don't call them shrimp. But anyway, the might's fine. It's fine. Just going with the stereotype, man. <laughs> you all come back now. You're here. Okay. There you go. See? There you go. I'm eating my own... Ugh, see? That's it. Anyhow. Okay. Uh, there we go. This show's becoming an in-joke for its previous episodes. Anyhow. Okay. So, I guess... It's something, oh, and beyond that, of course, you know, if you have children or if there's children involved, then it's something that kids really look forward to or all year long. Yeah. But the other thing, of course, is that there's other advantages if you're a parent to Christmas because it's uh, it can help with motivational strategies for dealing with children in the lead up to Christmas. You know, if you don't behave, then... It's you a know, great source of coercion. Yeah, that's right. It's the, It's sort of a carrot, I guess, rather than the stick. Right, that's the expression, carrot the stick. Mm-hmm. So you know, I think that 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 also is awesome <laughs> as a parent with four kids. <laughs> it's most awesome. So so that has advantages. I mean, obviously, kids also have birthdays, but you know, there's a synchronicity to Christmas such that everyone gets their presents at the same time and the same date, which you know has other advantages. So anyhow. Because there's no collective reason for the collective group to be good if only one person is having a birthday. You know, it doesn't matter if... Anyway, you get the idea. So, never mind that. It got me thinking, though. There was one Christmas that I did spend alone. I was in Canada and uh, my family was on the other side of the world. And all of my friends were away. Uh, My Canadian friends were away doing different... uh, Different Christmassy things. The it's following a rough time year, though, to be alone. It was rough. Yes, it was. Um, and I don't recommend it, really. It was just not... I'm just not that sort of person. I couldn't... I didn't handle that well. The following year, when I was over in Canada again, upon hearing this year, dilemma from the previous year, wonderful person that I worked with, um, Barb, she invited me to her family's place to have Christmas at their place. Uh, which was cool. a, a very touching, beautiful gesture from mm-hmm. a work colleague uh, that I will never forget. And um, it was just made that that gesture of, of thoughtfulness was, you know, like I said, still touches me to this date. Yeah. So I think being, spending time with, with family or friends even is is the point. And I don't, I don't like to see that it's about all like giving presents and, eating lots and lots and lots and stupid amounts of food, you know. I mean, I think nice food is nice, you know. It -hmm. should be the thought that counts, not the dollar value, you know. Something that... And I look forward to the the presence and things that people have put time and effort into them, into personally, you know. Even if it's something like... even I I would value and cherish a framed photo of someone that I cared about over, you know... Here's this little knickknack I bought, same dollar value from a, from a gift store, and it's like a it's a, a little piggy bank, but it's in the shape of a boat. You know, mm-hmm. it's like it's great, thanks. You know, it's like, and please no gift cards. But the point is, <laughs> uh, that could become my please don't email me, couldn't it? Anyhow, <laughs> so <laughs> please no gift cards. So anyhow. Uh, and so far as the food goes, everyone tends to over, yeah. And it's the same thing with Thanksgiving, right? As I read this all the time on on Twitter after Thanksgiving, oh, I've eaten too much, I'm sick, yeah. and everything. Well, since my weight loss surgery, I can't do that anyhow. Even if I tried, it would be too painful, so I wouldn't do it. Yeah. And yeah, it's the sort of thing that it's going to be a very different Christmas for me this year because it'll be the first Christmas since I've had my weight loss surgery. So it's going to be very different. I don't know if it's going to be difficult. It may well be. Um, because I won't be able to approach it from that angle as I have in the past, mm-hmm. and that's okay. That's my that's my choice. That's my problem. That's fine. Probably but, for the best, and it probably is for the best. Uh, and you know everything in moderation, right? 
Mm-hmm. Good food, not lots of food, just good food. And, you know, nice wine, not lots and lots of wine because no one wants to be the uh, the uncle passed out on the sofa. No. No. Because then you might, like, for example, one year, get covered in wrapping paper that's left over from the presents. Wow. Oh, look, he's covered in wrapping paper and he's passed out. <laughs> no, I did not do it. But yes, I did laugh. And yes, it was hilarious. <clears throat> that would be funny. Anyhow. <laughs> yeah, it was hilarious. And I got to say, you know, the guy that gets drunk and passes out at Christmas probably deserves it. <laughs> it's quite, yes, indeed. Indeed. But anyhow. So, did you have any other thoughts or commentary on Christmas before we let people get back to their Christmas? Because by the time they listen to this episode, it may well already be close to Christmas Day. Loading in, loading the podcast on uh, on their brand new iPods or iPhones or iPads after after they've gotten them as a Christmas present. Who knows if you're extra extra lucky, you get something like that for a Christmas present. No, I think you covered everything. Uh, I don't think I did. I actually well, think I could have covered a lot more. <laughs> well, you probably could, but you kind of draw a line somewhere. I do. Especially you don't want the episode to go from now till Christmas, do you? No, I don't. You're right. Because that would be the whole idea of... And, I think you the got irony, the big important things. Well, the irony a relative term. I think you oh, got the, yeah. the big important things to talk about. <laughs> cool. Well, thank you. Bottom line is I do understand the irony of me suggesting that people need to spend time with their family whilst uh, they are listening to me telling them that they should be spending more time with their family. <laughs> Anyhow, never mind that. Let's hope that we get this out the way early and then you can get in there and do the do the right thing. But anyway, whatever. Okay, good. So my last advice is don't overindulge. Have a great time. Enjoy each other's company. Recycle your wrapping paper. Please recycle it. Jeez, okay? Don't just chuck it in the damn rubbish bin. It matters which bin you put it in. So at this point, I think we'd better wrap up this episode that actually included tips about wrapping. How about that? If you want to talk more about this, you can reach me on Twitter at John Chigi and my writing in this podcast and others I've made are hosted at techdistortion.com. If you'd like to get in touch with Vic, he can be reached at Twitter at VicHudson1. If you'd like to send any feedback, please use the feedback form on the website. That's where you'll also find show notes for this episode under podcast Pragmatic. If there are topics you'd like me to cover, you can suggest and vote on them at the site under topics once you sign up for a free account. Please go and check them out. We've had a whole bunch of new, I think there's 10 new topics that have been added just in the last few weeks. So please, if you've already voted, go back and check it out. There's new ones there to have a look at. I've also started to release excerpts from the show that are one-off topics that have been cut from the main episode, and I'm calling it Addenda. Look at it on the, look for it under the site at uh, Podcasts Addenda. You can also follow Pragmatic Show on Twitter to see show announcements and other related stuff. I'd also like to thank Harvest for sponsoring this episode of the show. If you want to track your time quickly and easily with the ability to quickly turn those timesheets into invoices for your clients with built-in support for PayPal and Stripe, then Harvest has what you need. Check out Harvest at getharvest.com and sign up for a free 30-day trial today. Once your 30-day trial is over, use the coupon code PRAGMATIC at the checkout and you'll also save 50% off your first month. But hurry, because this offer expires middle of January 2015. I'd also like to thank Mandrel for sponsoring this episode. If you're looking to improve your site or app and you need transactional email that's reliable, integrates easily and provides easy tracking and analysis, then Mandrill can help. Visit mandrill.com and sign up today. You should because it's free. No credit card, no commitment. Just sign up and use the promo code PRAGMATIC to get 50,000 free email transactions per month for the first six months. That's four times the normal amount. Integrate, deliver, track, analyze with email infrastructure from Mandrill. Um, I want to say a big thank you um, at this time of the year. I want to thank all of the listeners who have listened to the show for the last year. It is uh, just past the first anniversary of the show. This is episode 49. I have something special planned for episode 50, which will be next week. But the thing is that uh, with a very special guest. But here's the thing. Uh, Up until now, this episode, uh, a few episodes back, we crossed the half million download mark. So... That was a huge milestone for me personally and for the show. Thank you so much to everyone for listening. And um, I guess I'd just like to say uh, Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, uh, and thanks for making it a great year. And um, I guess, yeah, I can't wait for, for next year. Although we have another two episodes left this year. I just wanted to get this in before Christmas. So, yes, thank. Uh, stop listening to the podcast and go and be with your family if you are right now. And enjoy your Christmas. Have fun. And Merry Christmas, Vic. Merry Christmas to you, John. And to everybody else, too. 
greeting of your choice. 